Uh, I think you'll be glad you came tonight. I'm going to, the things the Holy Spirit's been ministering to me, and I've been refreshed. That's maybe something that people would say, how do you get refreshed in the book of Job? <laughs> but I think you'll see uh, what that means to all of us tonight. So let's pray. We welcome everybody. We're live. We welcome all you that have joined us live, those of you that are here in the building, those of you who will get this podcast sometime this week, wherever you're at in the world, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love and mercy. I thank you for your long-suffering. Where would we be without the long-suffering of you, Lord? We thank you for being patient with us when we're young and immature and as we grow and learn of you. We thank you for all your kindness toward us. Thank you most of all for dying in my place, Jesus, all of our places. Thank you for the word and the Holy Spirit, and thank you for your people. We ask you to be with us as we study tonight. Help us to grow and be more like you in Christ's name, amen. So the word of God is the most important thing we have, and I've been doing this a long time. I want to share something with you because I've seen all this. If you don't stay in the Word of God, you won't make it. I don't care how much you pray. I don't care how much you worship. I don't care how many soup lines you serve in. If you don't stay in the Word of God, you won't make it. It, it, I've watched it for 30-some years. People who do not stay committed to God's Word. The Bible says heaven and earth will pass away, but His Word will stand forever. The Bible says Jesus and the Word are the same thing. So when you're taking in the Word, you're taking in Jesus. The Holy Spirit, don't even, He don't even want talked about. He said He didn't even come to speak about Himself, but to speak of Jesus. Everything is about the Word and Jesus. If you miss that, you won't make it. So that's why Job's so important. It is the Word of God. It's not just a story. It is the Word of God. So Job, I want to I remind you a few things. What you think about this. Job was afflicted by Satan. He was, God dropped the hedge. Think about that now. God dropped the hedge allowed the enemy in so far, just God set up boundaries for Satan. He, couldn't, he could only do so much, but God dropped the hedge and let the enemy in. Now, the enemy did all the damage, did all the affliction, but God had to drop the hedge for that to happen. Let me just put Psalm 102 and 23 up on the screen for a minute. I don't know if, if any of you have paid attention to this verse, but it says, He weakened my strength in the way. He shortened my days. The psalmist is talking about the Lord. These guys you're getting ready to hear from do not know what's going on. In fact, Job don't even know what's going on as the backdrop at this point. Later on, obviously, he finds out he's the one that most likely pinned all this down. But he's out there in the midst of all this trouble. He don't know God and Satan's been talking and that Satan's been 
uh, trying to get at him, and God's allowed that access. You know, actually, God's the one that pointed out Job. <laughs> uh, do you want to be that high on God's list? <laughs> Where God points you out and says, hey, you know, there's a guy that'll stick with me no matter what. And actually, Job said that, right? We love God when things are going good, but when things are going bad, do we love Him just as much? He said, and we'll see this, though He slay me, yet will I trust Him. Though He slay me, yet will I trust Him. He said, can we not receive good and bad? So Satan afflicts Job. Let's go to Luke 13 first. Turn your Bible to Luke 13 Verse 10, and let's see something else here that may be just a little bit different than our culture and even part of the church culture thinks. Uh, the Word of God is my supreme guide. The Bible says the Spirit and the Word agree. The Holy Spirit will never do anything opposite of what's in this book here. They, they agree. The Bible says the Spirit and the Word are in agreement. In verse 10 he says, Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years, was bent over and could not, rise her, and could not raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And of course, he clears all that, right? Sabbath, Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Jesus talks about all that. He said to the crowd, there are six days when men ought to work. Basically, he's rebuking the Lord here. Think about that for a minute. He's rebuking the Lord of the universe. Therefore, come and be healed on them and, do not, and, and not on the Sabbath day. Then the Lord answered him and said... He called him a hypocrite. He said, Does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from its stall and lead it away to water? Water it. So ought not this woman, listen to what he says here. Should not ought this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it for 18 years, be loosed. Shouldn't she be loosed from this and bond on the Sabbath? So this woman's got a bad back and Jesus is blaming it on Satan. Now, we know there's several things I want you to think about. But, and, and the reason I'm laying this groundwork is because what's getting ready to happen here in the book of Job. Sometimes God drops the hedge and allows the enemy so much freedom. The good news for us is the enemy has boundaries. You know, we've already read these passages here in Job where the devil had to get permission. So that's good news, right? He can't do anything that God doesn't allow him to. But we can also open the door up for the enemy. Our sin. <clears throat> Somebody said to me, uh, was just joking today, they said... Uh, if we would just follow God's teaching on food, we'd be the healthiest nation in the world. I said, if we'd stop sinning, we'd be the healthiest nation in the world. It starts with that. Bodily exercise profits a little. 
right? And Jesus said, you can pray over that food and sanctify it. But the biggest issue we have is sin in this country or any other country for that reason. So the devil afflicts at times. God, we see where God actually gives punishment out. He punishes people or nations from time to time. And then sometimes we can just let the, uh, let the enemy in. We can open the door for him to come in by our rebellion or doing things our way instead of doing them God's way. So in this case, he's got friends that are showing up at his house. They've been there for seven days, I think it is. But who knows how long it took for the word to get to them and how long their journey was. Because Eliphaz is the first guy up here. And Eliphaz is from the region of Saudi Arabia. So they've made their journey. They're proving their love and their concern and compassion by coming there. And they keep their mouth shut for seven days. And have you ever noticed this? Sometimes just being there and listening and not saying a thing is the best thing you can do. And, and, you'll, and, and so this lady's been afflicted by Satan. Job's been afflicted by Satan. Now, uh, put up Proverbs 24 and 10 on the screen, just one verse here. It says, if you and I, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. So when trials come or affliction comes or adversity comes, it's usually used to reveal me to me so that I can see where my strength is at. You know, there are Christians who live their Christian existence like a roller coaster. Just up and down. That's not God's will. They're up one day and down. They live by emotion. They're up one day. We don't live by emotion. We live by faith. And every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And that's why these people are up one day and down the next day. If you faint in the day of adversity, what have you found out? You found out that your strength's small. Now, the proper thing to do would be to get in there and start eating the Word of God, building this inner man up, right? Or a lot of folks get frustrated and mad and they walk out. But that's used to reveal stuff. God takes us through seasons to reveal things to us about ourselves. Now, before we get into Job, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Chapter 10, and let's look at verse 1, a few verses in here as we uh, get ready to set the stage for this. <clears throat> Moreover, brethren, in verse 1, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud. All passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food. All drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was, G- was Christ But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. And now these things became our examples. What cost them? They started unbelief. They wouldn't adhere to God's word. They tried to do their own thing. Uh, I was sharing just before church here, I have a prophecy from 30 years ago from Derek Prince. How many of you have heard of Derek Prince? He's gone on to be the Lord, but he was a forerunner in, uh, in full gospel circles. And uh, he gave this prophecy in the Philippines, and I, I've kept this for 30 years. 
And he talks about in there how God wants to use the body. And it's pretty specific. It wasn't a word of exhortation. It was specific, uh, specific instruction. You know, and so, but one of the things he said in there, he said, beware of uncommanded work. That was what the Holy Spirit was saying that particular night 30 years ago. Beware, and that's always stuck with me. Because being good-natured or being Christians... We see something, oh, that's a good thing to do, let's do it. But if it's not God's will, you know, if, if Paul would have just done what he thought was right, he would have never skipped some cities, right? We would have said, hey, those people need Jesus like the last city, but the Holy Spirit said, skip this city. Now, God's got His reasons. There's things happen in my life that I still don't have answers for yet. Anybody with me? Yeah, you, things happen, you don't have answers. And why don't I let that bother me? I'm not saying I haven't struggled with it during the season of that. But why don't I allow that to dictate my life or frustrate me now? Because I know who, who the Lord is. Right? I, I, you could, I know His nature and His character because I've learned about it through the Word and I've experienced it in my own life. So I don't have to have all the answers. That's why we... Come to Him like little children. If you remember when your children were smaller before they started questioning everything. <laughs> Why do you cook it that way? Why'd you put that on it? You know, uh, They just took it in, right? They trusted. It's a relationship between a small child and a parent. Your child don't come in every evening. Are you going to cook today, Mom? Or are we going to starve to death? You know, that just They don't question that. And that's... The kind of relationship the Lord wants with us, right? And so uh, he says, now these things are our examples. What happened to them? They got in trouble because they became unbel- they got into unbelief and they started blaming God, getting upset with God because God wasn't doing things the way they thought He should do them. Uh, they did, that they would not lust after evil things. These are our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted, and do not become idolaters, as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink, and and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality, as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 fell. 23. So Paul is using what Israel went through to give us instruction here. Nor let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain, as some of them also complain, and they were destroyed by the destroyer. So sometimes God allows the enemy in. Sometimes God judges himself. Sometimes we just open the door and it gives the enemy access to us. So any three of those things. So when you get in the middle of adversity, the first thing you should do is have, a, have some conversation with the God. When I get in adversity or a season of trial, the first thing I want to do is try and find out where it's coming from. Have I, am I at odds with God in something? Is that allowing it in? Uh, is God, has God allowed me to go down this path for some reason? Is it an attack of Satan? Or is God just allowing this to mold me, mature me, refine me? So that way, if I know that, then I'll know how to take a stand. 
I'll know whether to rebuke Satan or not, right? I'll know whether to cooperate and not take, you know. So it's important if you can to spend time with God and find out where the attacks come from. And it says, nor, uh, he says, don't let us tempt Christ, uh, nor complain, as some of them also complained and were destroyed. Now, all these things ha- uh, happened to them as examples. And they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. Well, that's pride. If you don't think you can be tripped up by Satan, you're deceived. It's by the grace of God that we all stand, right? It's His mercies are new every day, or not all of us would be consumed, the Bible says. So we should be leaning on God. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. So we all got to stay on guard and we got to be careful about judging somebody. And that's what you're getting ready to see in just a moment. We're going to Job after we finish these next verse here. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. Now that's the truth. That's why I say one of the worst things you and I can do is feel sorry for ourselves. You're not the first person that's had trouble. You're not the first person that's fought the enemy. You're not the first person that's been through something. You won't be the last. As I've said before, we could all pile up our trouble in the middle of this room right here tonight, and it wouldn't equal what Job went through in less than 24 hours. So the one of the traps of Satan is to get us to feel sorry for ourselves. We don't want to... Fall into that trap. Uh, he said, he is, uh, no, nothing's overtaken you except such is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you and I to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Now think about that in the context of Job. Think about it in the context of your own life. Are you standing up? Now, it's one thing for God to, and I'm gonna, I won't take you to these verses. Let me show you something. Jesus said, pray that you enter not into temptation. Then James said, count it all joy when you fall into temptation. Now that seems like a contradiction of Scripture, right? One of them saying you ought to rejoice about it. The other one saying do not do it, right? But the difference is between entering and falling. When you enter into something, you entered in this building tonight. You, make con- you made conscious decisions to get to this point and come through those doors. From getting in your vehicle, walking out of the door of your home getting in your vehicle, driving, parking, getting out and coming in here. If you leave here and fall outside, God forbid, and knock your two front teeth out, God forbid, uh, you didn't plan to do that, right? Entering, is a, entering into temptation is a decision 
to pursue something. Falling is out of your control. So when God allows us to fall into temptation, He will make a way of escape. If you pursue that temptation, you will suffer the consequences of that. If you go after it. And so there's no contradiction in the Bible. The difference is between entering and falling into temptation. Now, let's go to Job. Job's been brought into this moment, right? He's here in chapter. He's being afflicted by Satan. God is allowing it. And I, I believe God's fully in control. So nothing happens that's, not, that's outside of God's jurisdiction. So he's, he's in charge. And so he's allowed the enemy, he's dropped the hedge, as we would say, allowed the enemy to come in. Then Eliphaz, the Temanite, answered, which basically is telling us he's from down in Saudi Arabia way. If one attempts a word with you, this, these guys have sat here quiet for many days. It says, if one attempts a word with you, will you become weary? But who can withhold himself from speaking? Surely you've instructed many. Now he's going to commend him here because Job is the top of the rung, obviously, because God said he was. Surely you've instructed many. You have strengthened weak hands. You've helped those who were weak. Your words have upheld him who was stumbling. So he's been an encourager, an exhorter. You have strengthened the feeble knees. He saw those who are weary and hurting. But now it comes upon you and you are weary. Those are all true statements. Job is weary. It touches you and you are troubled. It is, is not your reverence, your confidence, and the integrity of your ways, your hope. Remember now, whoever perished being innocent. Well, let's see. Abel perished being innocent. Isaiah perished being innocent. I mean, we could go, a lot of people who are innocent perish sometimes. The integrity of your ways, your hope. Remember now, Whoever perished being innocent, or whoever, or where were the upright ever cut off? Even as I have seen those who plow iniquity and sow trouble reap the same. Now, those are true statements. But they don't necessarily apply to Job. These guys are just looking at a situation. You got to remember, Job, none of these guys realize the bargaining, that's probably not the right word to use, but the, the positioning that went on between Satan and God before and during all this. So they're just looking at things here. And that's what we got to be careful about, not just looking at a situation. You may look at a situation and say, well, they must... this." People are like this. We shouldn't be this way. But they must be sinning. Look what's going on in their life. And that's certainly that's not true here with Job. And that's not true with Abel. Actually, Abel was the one doing right. And Cain was the one who was sinning. And so you cannot just look at a situation 
And in fact, the, the tables have kind of turned. When I read there in Luke how that woman had a crooked back and the Lord blamed it on Satan, 99 people out of 100 in this country would have never blamed that on Satan. They would have said, ah, she's got a slip disc. She's, she's worked too hard all her life or whatever. You know. They would have diagnosed it from that. They would have, they would have never said, the devil's the reason this woman's got a crooked back, right? I mean, we may would do that in the church, but most of the world out there would never say that. They, would, they don't even like to talk, they don't even believe in the devil, half of them don't. So they wouldn't say, Satan's bound this woman. They would say, she's got something wrong with her vertebrae or whatever. Uh, but Jesus tagged that on Satan. He blamed it on Satan. He knew, right? He had all the, he's, he knows everything. We don't know everything. And so we got to be careful. That's why he said, judge not lest you be judged. And then he said, you got to get that plank out of your own eye before you can help remove the splinter out of your brother's eye. Now notice what happened there. He didn't say not to help your brother get that splinter out. He just said, first get that telephone pole out of your eye. And then you'll be able to see clearly to help your brother. And so no, these guys are making a lot of true statements. The problem is they don't all apply to Job. Because they don't know what's went on behind the scenes. He said those who plow iniquity and sow trouble reap the same. That's true. If we sow to the flesh, we reap to the flesh. If we sow eternal things, we reap life everlasting. So there is a biblical, spiritual principle that we reap what we sow, good or bad. That's true. And so that's biblical in both testaments. So what Eliphaz is saying is true. But this is not what's going on with Job. By the blast of God they perish. By the breath of His anger they are consumed. The, the roaring of the lion, the voice of the fierce lion, the teeth of the young lions are broken. The old lion perishes for lack of prey, and the cubs of the lioness are scattered. And he's, he's giving God credit for being in charge. It's all good. Now a word was secretly brought to me, and my ear received a whisper of it. This is Eliphaz talking. In disquieting thoughts from the visions of the night, when deep sleep falls on men. <clears throat> Be leery of somebody that's always wanting to tell you about their spiritual exploits. Those things should just show in how we live. Somebody's running around telling you all the spiritual stuff they do. That's not a good thing. That's pride. And this guy is the same. He's, he's having that struggle here. He said, Disquieting thoughts from the visions of the night when deep falls on men. Fear came upon me. Trembling which made all my bones shake. Then, the, then a spirit, notice that's small s. Then a spirit, and that's what you got to do. If you want to know when the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, you come right back to this. He will not speak anything that's contrary to this. And he says, uh, The spirit passed before my face, the hair on my body stood up, it stood still, but I could not discern its appearance. A form was before my eyes. 
there was silence. Then I heard a voice saying, Can a mortal be more righteous than God? Can a man be more pure than his maker? If he puts no trust in his servants, if he charges his angel with error, and he did, right? We know that God, uh, some of the angels are reserved for judgment. How much more those who dwell in the houses of clay, whose foundation is of the dust, who are crushed before a moth. They are broken in pieces from morning till evening. They perish forever with no one regarding. Does not their own excellence go away? They die even without wisdom. Now, now he's getting out of bounds because he thinks he's heard something. And he's starting to lay this on Job, and this is not Job's problem at all. There's nothing, and we'll see it even more as we go through this book, there's nothing in these first few chapters that even suggests Job is looking wrong at God. He wouldn't say nothing bad about him. He, in fact, he said, shall we not receive good and bad? He said, uh, he told his wife that she was foolish for trying to get him to go against God. I mean, he's not backing down. This, this guy here is acting all spiritual, but he has no idea what's going on. And now he's starting, those statements beforehand are true statements. He's probably leaning on toward Job and thinking, and, but now he gets here and he's, he's falsely accusing Job. And he don't have any idea. None of this came on Job because Job had done wrong. This came on Job because Satan and God had a conversation and God was so high on Job that he knew he would stick with him and he pointed Job out and Satan's trying to bring that down basically. Now he says, uh, call out now, is there anyone who will answer you and to which of the holy ones will you turn? For wrath kills a foolish man and envy slays a simple one. I have seen the foolish taking root, but suddenly I cursed his dwelling place. His sons are... Uh, his sons are far from safety. Now that was that hit hard right there. Now he's accusing Job of being prideful, and that we don't see that in Job at all. He's accusing Job of of being high and mighty, and we don't see that attitude of, out of Job at all. And he's he's just assuming things. And why is he assuming it? Because things have went bad in Job's life. But if you read about suffering in the New Testament, suffering is used by God for our good. Now, I had to shake some of that off growing up, right? If you may have grew up around some of that stuff like I did, that anything that's going on bad, there must be something bad going on, right? <laughs> and that's not true at all. Jesus didn't have one sin. Yet he suffered more than all of us put together, including Job. So suffering is sometimes used of God to strengthen us, to mature us, to get things out of us, to bring things to the surface so God can clean it up. Here's what, and you'll find this out, if you're dealing with your children or people in your circle that you may have some influence with, you cannot help somebody until they see what you see. You can argue, you can get mad at them, you can fuss, whatever. 
And that's what I've had to learn over the years. You cannot help people until they can see. And that's the way God works in our lives. He, we usually don't cooperate with God until we see what He sees. And so, uh, it's been a while since I brought this up, but uh, can we turn these lights off up here? You can leave the stage lights on. See how dark it gets up here. Yeah, it don't get real dark, does it? But it's darkened up here, right? Now gradually turn those up just a little bit till we can tell, tell a difference. There you go. So this is how our walk is with God. He keeps bringing us into more light. All right? Turn it up a little more. See what's happening? Now turn it all the way up. So this, as you walk with God, He brings you into more light. What John say, walk in the light as He is in the light, right? So God brings light into our lives as we can receive it. So that's why, let me go back to my board here. Uh, if you, you may be misjudging someone, let's just call this the pisteo path here that I use a lot with stick man. And let's put a stick man there. And let's put a stick woman there. Let me give her some hair. And let's put another stick man up here. Takes too long to dry hair. He got a rough look. His head, his head sideways. <laughs> he must have been fighting the devil. Now, so you look at these people on this pisteo line or this pisteo, the faith path. The, they're fading, right? And all three of them are at different points. See that? But all three of them can be in the perfect will of God. Because we're only responsible for the light we've been given. So this guy, he may have been exposed to a certain amount of light, depending on how long he's been in the kingdom. This lady may have been exposed to more light because she's been in the kingdom longer. And this guy may be exposed to more light, so he's further down the path. He's not further down the path because he's in the will of God more. He's further down the path because he's been journeying a little longer and he's received more light. So, But here's what happens. Sometimes these people that are ahead can look back and say, what's wrong with you? Nothing. Nothing's wrong with him. He's exactly where he's supposed to be, walking with God. He's walking in all the light he's been given. And now we can't resist the light. Now, you remember when God said, I'm going to take you guys into the promised land, but I'm going to drive out those people little by little. I'm not going to just... Give the open the promised land up, He's, and he talks about how it would be hard and trouble to them. If, and so that's how our lives work. God takes us on a journey, and He keeps clearing out stuff because of, you know how light works. We saw a little bit of it here, but light is so powerful that they can do surgery with it. And now it's we've gotten to the place where we can actually fight, do war with it. Laser, Star Wars, I think they call it, right? 
That's how powerful. Look at the sun, how powerful the sun is. Actually, don't look at the sun because it's that powerful. <laughs> You'll go blind if you look at it too long. Uh, so you, you see how powerful. So if God just thrust us all into extreme light as soon as we came into the kingdom, it would destroy us. So He takes us in, like the children of Israel, a little by little. So God reveals Himself to us so that we walk in all the light we've been given. Right? So we can all be in the will of God and be at different points in our faith. As long as we're not resisting the light, as long as we're giving ourselves to God's Word, practicing His Word, right? Now, I told you this. Uh, I've probably said this here. I've said it in some circles. But uh, probably right at 26 years ago, the biggest middleman drug dealer in the mountains got saved one Sunday morning. And he's the guy that I told you that he, he had his pockets full of drugs when he came to church. He had no intention of coming to the altar. He just was pacifying somebody that had invited him to church. So he came, he said, he said, I can't tell you this day how I wound up at that altar. He said, but he got saved that morning and he walked out and he said, I, he told me this later. He said, I told my wife, said, I'm unemployed. <laughs> I just lost my job because he was a drug dealer. Well, he's been serving the Lord for 26 years. And, and the reason, and he's, he's full of the word. Now, this is a shame, but it's true. Probably within a year of him getting saved, he was further along than 50% of the rest of the church. That's how much he ate his Bible. He couldn't get enough of it. The Word of God is so powerful, that's the only thing that changes us. It's not good stories or feeling good or going and serving in a soup line. It's the Word of God. I... I'm all for all that stuff. Mission trips don't change anybody internally. They may further you in some issues, but what changes us internally is the Word of God. And the Word of God tells us to go on a mission trip. If we would listen to God's Word, everything, but it's all about the Word. That's what changes us internally. That's what keeps us. And think about this. The Son of God, who was sinless, had all power given unto Him, when the devil showed up, what did he do? He used the Word of God against him. If Jesus used the Word of God against Satan, who do we think we are trying some different method? We have to use the Word of God. And that Word of God protects us, it keeps us, it builds this spiritual man up, it gives us wisdom, it keeps our mind clean, it keeps us from losing our joy. Keeps all that going on inside of us. So you and I are called to walk in all the light we've been given. Now, this guy is, kind of brings his children into it now. He says, I've seen the foolish taken suddenly cursed his dwelling. His sons are far from safety. They are crushed in the gate. That, that was a tough statement there because Job just lost his children. And there was no deliverer because the hungry eat up his harvest, taking it even from the thorns and the snare snatches their substance. See? Now he's getting personal with it. He's going right in after Job, and he's, he got in after Job because he thinks he's heard something. 
He ain't, I'm going to say this like a country boy, okay? He ain't heard jack. He said he heard from the Spirit. But you better try the spirits when you hear something. Because the Spirit never pacifies the flesh. No flesh will glory in my presence, he said. That's not the Holy Spirit pacifying the flesh. No flesh will glory in my presence, he said. So this guy thinks he's heard something, and now he's digging on on Job, and he don't know squat about what's went on. He knows nothing about what's happened in the backdrop. And he says, but as for, he says, uh, it's a snare because a, a hunger eat up his harvest, taking it from the thorns. A snare snatches their substance, for affliction does not come from the dust, nor does trouble spring up from the ground. Yet a man is born to trouble and the sparks fly upward. I mean, he's really getting after it now. He said, this didn't happen for no reason. Well, in some way, there might be a little truth to that. But it did happen because, but it didn't happen for what he's saying. He's way out of bounds here. He said, but as for me, I would seek God and I would, I would commit my cause who does great things and unsearchable, marvelous things without number. He gives rain on the earth and sends waters on the fields. He sits on high those who are lowly and those who mourn are lifted to safety. He frustrates the devices of the crafty so that their hands cannot carry out their plans. He catches the wise in their own craftiness. But that didn't happen this time. Right? That's why you've got to be careful about judging a situation. That, you know what Paul said in the New Testament? He said, don't judge another man's servant. He stands or falls to his own master. My grandfather, who didn't go past the sixth grade, by the way, taught me a very valuable lesson one day. He said, this was before I was ever in the ministry. I was just a young teenager. He said, don't ever speak ill about God's body or His man. He said, if he's not God's man, he said he'll come to nothing. And if he is God's man, God will, God will discipline him. He'll straighten him out. He said, that's not your job. That come from a man who had a sixth grade education. But you know what? We've learned that, right? Especially if you grew up in Kentucky or West Virginia or Tennessee. You can get wisdom way beyond education if you spend time in God's Word and the Holy Spirit works in your life. And so this guy's going after Job now, and he has no idea what's going on. And he says uh, he frustrates their devices. But see, God allowed these enemies to come in and destroy everything Job had. He allowed it. He frustrates the devices of the crafty so that their hands cannot carry out their plans. But that didn't happen this time. He catches the wise in their own craftiness, counsel the cunning. So basically, Eliphaz is saying, there's got to be something wrong here. You must not be the guy we think you are because this stuff wouldn't have happened. Now, I'm going to say something. I don't care where you grew up. There's a little bit of that in all of us. And you gotta, God has to get that out of us. What's wrong with them? Well, maybe nothing. Maybe God just took them down that path to take them to a greater revelation of who He was. 
Maybe he got in trouble. You see evidence of both of that. Abraham made some bad decisions. He got some bad consequences. But that's what we got to be careful of. You don't have, if you don't have full information, you can't judge a situation. And you may have people in your circle that you can do that with. That you have the freedom to speak into their life. That's a God thing. But somebody else, you may just need to keep your mouth shut. I got one amen. Or an uh huh. I <laughs> think so. just be sensitive to the Lord. And what did I read to you, Corinthians? Remember you that don't think you can fall. Be careful. Because we can all fall. There's none of us. He frustrates his devices. He catches their wise. He says, and the, he gives rain on the earth, sends the water on the fields. He says, those are lowly and those are mourned, lifted to safety. He catches the wise in their own craftiness. In verse uh, 13, and the counsel of the cunning comes quickly upon them. Verse 14, they meet in the darkness and in the daytime, grope in the noontime and the night. But he saves the needy from the sword, from the mouth of the mighty and from their hand. So the poor have hope and then justice shuts her mouth. There is some overriding truth in what he says. But be careful. Arguing don't really solve issues. If anybody, the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God, right? And I've learned this with my wife over the years. You can, you can have a truth and use it the wrong way. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It could be with a friend, it could be with a wife, it could be with a spouse. It could even be with children. You could have a truth and use it the wrong way. And I think we're seeing some of that here with Eliphaz. He says, uh, behold, happy is the man whom God corrects. And that's true. That's kind of uh, runs over into Hebrews that God, the Bible says God chastens those whom He loves or He corrects them. And in that Greek word for chasten, suffering is a part of that definition. He allows some suffering. Because suffering gets our attention. Let's just be real. It does get our attention. I've seen a lot of people come to Christ or get serious about the Lord because suffering became a part of their life for a season or whatever. So suffering does get our attention and God wants us to let him get our attention. He wants our attention. I heard a comedian say the other day, he said his his wife's kind of brazen about raising the children. She said, I'll let them do it. Said they'll learn. And he's like, Well I don't want them to get hurt, you know, he's it's usually the other way around, but he was like he said, finally he said his wife said, <clears throat> he said, one of our children was struggling in the water. And she said, I'll let him work through it. And he said, I'm going to get him out before he drowns. <laughs> and she said, he said, we went back and forth like that. He said, he said, I finally said, I'd rather have three children than two well-behaved children, he said. <laughs> but God disciplines those whom he loves, right? And, and listen, now listen, this is a hard word. The Bible says if we don't get disciplined, we don't belong to Him. 
So these people that are perfect and God never has to correct, they're not saved. Wow. If you don't belong to Him, you're not saved. And that's the perfect people that Jesus had to deal with some in the New Testament, right? The Bible says when God chastens and He says He chastens those whom He loves and then He goes on to say, of whom all are partakers. All of His children need discipline every now and then. You run into that person in the church that never gets disciplined with God, they ain't saved. How many of you have been took out behind the woodshed by the Lord? <laughs> How many of you been there this week? <laughs> no, you laughed right. <laughs> so you gotta, He loves us, but He loves us, right? If I discipline my child for darting across the street without looking both ways, I discipline them so they would remember that the next time they came up to the street. Why? So they wouldn't get run over and die, right? So God's desire and love for us causes Him to discipline us. He says, uh, he, the Lord do, therefore do not despise the chastening of the Almighty. That is a true good statement. But it's just not what's going on here. God has allowed Satan to come, excuse me, come in. He bruises, but He binds up. He wounds, but His hands make whole. And that's what Hosea says in chapter 6 when he talks about Israel coming home. He says, The Lord has torn us, but He will heal us. He has smitten us, but He will bind us up. And he's talking about after two days. So he's talking about when Israel gets restored, and that happened in 1948. That was a prophecy about Israel coming back to the homeland. But that's true of God. He does. This time, though, here's the, here's the thing. This time, God's not doing this to Job. He's just dropped the hedge, and the enemy's doing it. So that's why Eliphaz is way off track here. And he says, He shall deliver you in six troubles, yes, in seven no evil shall touch you. In famine he shall redeem you from death. That's true. All these things are true. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed out begging bread, David said. And in war from power over the sword, he sh uh, you shall be hidden from the scourge of the tongue, and you shall not be afraid of destruction when it comes. You shall laugh at destruction and famine. You shall not be afraid of the beast of the earth. For you shall have a covenant with the stones of the field, and the beasts of the field shall be at peace with you. This is troubling to me. And I've been around Christianity and the full gospel all my life. It's troubling to me to see somebody belittle Satan and act like he's nothing. Even Michael, the archangel, when he was dealing with Satan, he used the authority of God. He didn't get out of his place and try to be the big man. He said, the Lord rebuke you. I remember being in a service one time when a, a, a fine lady, but she got a little pride in her, right? We got to guard against that. A little pride can get in all of us. And she said, the devil ain't nothing. We can just blow him off like a fuzzball. Her life went through hell for the next few months because he showed up. Now, let me say this to you. We have all power. But when we start getting in ourselves and thinking we're all that, instead of leaning on God's Word and leaning on Jesus and the Holy Spirit, when we think we're all that, that's when we get in trouble. That's what we call pride. So he says, uh, these guys are going to get in trouble later on. You'll see this as we go through the book here. 
said, You've, uh, in famine he shall redeem the war of power. You shall be hidden from the scourge of the tongue. You shall not be afraid of destruction when it comes. You shall laugh at destruction. You shall not be afraid of the beast of the earth, for you shall have a covenant with the stones of the field, and the beast of the field shall be at peace with you. You shall know that your tent is in peace. You shall visit your dwelling and find nothing amiss. You shall also know that your descendants shall be many, and your offspring like the grass of the earth. You shall come to the grave at a full, full age, and, a, and as a sheaf of grain ripens in its season. Behold, this we have searched out, it is true here, and know for yourself. So basically, he's got Job in a corner, he thinks, uh, and thinking that he's going to straighten him out here. But you'll find out later that God tells these guys they need to have Job pray for them <laughs> because they're out of whack. So you'll see that later in the book. We, we do have power and authority with God. But when we get to thinking that it's all in us and it's not through His Spirit and through Jesus, we're going to get in trouble. And it's not, it's not, I want you to think about this as I close here. Sometimes, like Abel, the righteous leave early. For whatever reason. I thought it would be good to leave Paul here a little bit longer. I love the Apostle Paul. If I'd have been had a vote on that, I'd said, leave him down there. <laughs> He's crushing the devil. Leave him down there. The devil can't do nothing with him. But God took him home. We got to get out of this mindset that dying in Christ is a bad thing. It's a great thing <laughs> to die in the Lord. That's the greatest thing going. You receive your reward. As I said the other day, anybody we've sent to heaven would not come back down here. Why would they? To go to Sonic? Why would they come? I don't know where that come from. But why would they want to come back down here? Amen? <laughs> so just be strengthened by His Word. Do not skip God's Word. Get in it daily. Get you a little food in there. You, I'm not here to be legalistic. And tell you you have to read as much as the next guy over there. Just get, make sure you get some word in you. Listen to it. Read it. Do some of both if you can. Get that word in you. Build that inner man up. Let your mind stay renewed to where you don't live a roller coaster Christian life. Up and down. Up and down. Up and down. Stay on that course and let the Holy Spirit be real inside of you. Amen. Get all that pride out. Lord, we pray that. Get all the pride out of us. We are nothing without you. We are nothing without you. Help us to understand that without you, we can't do anything. And that if you use the word when you were dealing with Satan, how important is it for us to be grounded in the word, Lord? I praise you for your spirit. I praise you for your word. I praise you for your sacrifice. I praise you for all you've done. I praise you for being the creator. I praise you for who you are. We love you. And we honor you. And we thank you for your word. It is a lamp to our feet and a light in our path. And we're thankful for that, Lord. You've not left us to ourselves, but you have given us the light of your word. And Jesus was the word and was made flesh and manifest among us here. Emmanuel. And we praise you and we thank you for that. We ask you to bless this 
uh, bless our roads and our paths that you take us down. Help us not to get bitter when we go through hard times. Help us to learn and grow during those times. And help us to evaluate ourselves as we go through seasons like that. So that we can see what you see inside of us. So that we will cooperate with your plan for our lives. We thank you, Lord, for the light you've shown us in Jesus' name.